재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been corrected. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today, I'll be reading from 내가 가장 예뻤을 때 or When I Was Prettiest by Gong Seonok. Writer Gong Seonok is a native of Gokseong, a town made famous for the film of the same title that popularized the catchphrase 모시 중언디, or What's Important Here. What's important here for Gong Seonok and this week's book, When I Was Prettiest, is what it meant for her and her friends to spend their prettiest years, namely the late teens and their 20s, as a witness of the Gwangju uprising and its aftermath. In the excerpt I'll read today, Taeyong steals his nephew's diapers and clothes for his friend who just gave birth to an illegitimate child. I'll be back with the story after Cranberries 21. When I Was Prettiest by Gong Seonok Gain some, lose some. Doryeon-nim, fold these diapers for me? Taeyong's sister-in-law held out an armful of dry diapers at Taeyong. She must have gotten no sleep last night. Her eyes were already half-closed. He started to fold the diapers one by one, hoping in vain that perhaps she would give him some pocket money for helping her. When the baby fell asleep, she dropped everything and napped with the baby. She said that she had to sleep that way or else she'd collapse. Taeyong's niece was a one-month-old infant with her sleep cycle reversed. Her mother had to wander the quiet halls in the middle of the night holding the baby as the rest of the family slept on. Taeyong once held and soothed the baby to give her mother a break and his mother yelled at him. You failed your college entrance exam and you're home playing nanny instead of studying? Since then, Taeyong had to wait until his mother wasn't looking to help out with folding laundry. He had never asked his sister-in-law for anything in return, but he was desperate now. Seungi just had a baby, and Hegum told him to make the effort to steal. He didn't have the guts, though. His conscience wouldn't allow it. Actually, no, he just plain couldn't make up his mind. No matter how thoroughly he searched his pockets, nothing turned up. He could sometimes find a washed, dried-up bill in his brother's overalls, which he always hung on the wall hook. But no such luck today either. The baby was sound asleep, and so was her mother. Taeyong had no choice. He grabbed a bag and stuffed it with a few diapers he'd just folded. 
He wished she had some baby formula lying around, but she breastfed, so there was no formula. He spotted some baby clothes hung up to dry on the clothesline. They were still soggy, but he didn't have a choice. He grabbed two and stuffed them in his bag. He crossed himself out of habit and giggled, crossing while stealing. Taeyong snuck out of the house. The things he stole weren't enough. He decided to go see Banyong. Banyong worked as a DJ at the downtown music cafe during the winter when he couldn't do hard labor. Work was scarce this year, and he couldn't leave the music cafe, although it was already spring. It was still morning, so Manyong was probably still at home. Taeyong headed for Manyong's place, located on the top of Palsan. Taeyong found Manyong in the small yard that overlooked downtown Gwangju, working out with a barbell with cement weights he'd crafted himself. Being a DJ makes me feel like I lead a worthless existence. So, and working out makes it worthwhile. Manyong answered Taeyong's stupid question. It's not as effective as having a job, but it makes me less nervous. Singhee had a baby. Yeah, Jinman was weeping. Jinman, why? Jinman had a big crush on Singhee. He's probably dying inside right now. Manyong put down his barbell and put on his jacket, hanging lopsidedly from a nail on the wall. His clothes were shabby, but Manyong was striking. It must be the way he walks, thought Taeyong. It might be the voice, or maybe his good looks. Hegum once pointed out all these things. Taeyong also knew what made Manyong so charming. Singyu once got it dead on. He's a lone wolf. That's it. Taeyong knew that Manyong read a frightening number of books. They'd met through Jinman, who was trying to be less of a bumpkin by frequenting music cafes, wearing something other than his school uniform. Taeyong had heard through Jinman that Manyong had been the head of the household since he was young, just as the poet Kim Soo-young referred to the laborers as the strong. Taeyong admitted that Manyong was stronger than him. From the beginning, Manyong's path was very different from the rest of the losers whose lives were mortgaged by vague plans of exams, college, and making money. When his mother left, his father went off to become a monk, leaving Manyong and his little brother Mangang to fend for themselves. Manyong summed up his opinion of his parents who abandoned him: "So irresponsible." All of a sudden, an orphan, Manyong took Mangang from their hometown Gangjin to Gwangju with no plans. Manyong's first job was as an inn chuba, errand boy. This was back when most inns fed their guests. He stayed the night at the inn with his little brother and begged the owner for work the next morning. 
He worked and lived at the inn for a while before getting his second job as a bellboy at a tourist hotel. He always lied about his age and made up his resume to make a living. His boss at the music cafe thought he was in college. Spring had come once again, and he was working out to build muscle. They were almost out of the shanty town when Manyong prodded at the bag slung over Taeyong's shoulder. What's that? Diapers and such? Saying it out loud turned his face bright red. What he felt was not so much embarrassment as inferiority. Manyong hailed a cab. Where to? Sago Health Center. Manyong rolled down the window all the way down. A perfect spring breeze swept over his face. It was spring once again. Kyunghae was gone and so was Sugyeong, but spring came. Flowers bloomed. When Kyunghae died, Taeyong burst into tears like a child and could not stop. Taeyong felt ashamed before Sugyeong, who could not even cry at the time, but slowly began to fall apart. Hegum once said, I'm not upset because Sugyeong's sick. It pisses me off that I'm not sick. Why, why is it that I still eat like a pig, sleep like a baby, and laugh like an idiot? That singy, that mindless girl, said Manyong. I'm sure this is killing her too. What's she gonna do with a baby at her age? Still, it's good she's alive, huh? Manyong grinned. Manyong, who wept that morning, was grinning now. The two rushed out of the cab in front of the Sogo Health Center. As soon as they entered the hospital, Taeyong realized his shoulder felt a little light. Only then did he realize that he left the bag in the cab. The cab had already gone. Taeyong punched the air. Manyong slapped him on the shoulder playfully. Come on, it's just a diaper bag. But that was my effort. I've lost my effort. Hey, you know what they say. Gain some, lose some. Forget the diaper bag. Let's go inside. Taeyong made a mental note. Gain some, lose some. Then he thought about what had been gained and what had been lost. No matter how hard he thought about it, he felt as though he'd lost everything he'd had. He felt that the things he lost would never return to him, like the diaper bag he left in the cab, and that there was nothing left in the world for him to gain. At 20, he completely burned out. Taeyong walked into the labor room of the health center, feeling his knees go weak. Between sundown's finish and midnight's broken tone, we duck inside the doorway, thunder crashing. Today I read from When I Was Prettiest by Kung Sonok, and the tracks we played in between were Staring at the Sun by U2, followed by Chimes of Freedom by Birds.
This week's quote is for those of you who recently sent your last child away to college and is suffering from a serious case of the empty nest syndrome. Here's the quote from the essay Parenting in Three Stages by Nora Ephron. You're still a parent, but your parenting days are over. Now what? There must be something you can do. But there isn't. There is nothing you can do. Trust me, it's over. Except for the worrying. The worrying is forever. Once again, that was from Parenting in Three Stages by Nora Ephron. And that brings us to the end of our show and this season of The Bookend. Thank you for listening and thank you for your continued support. We have an exciting new season coming up next week with new faces and segments. So don't forget to tune in Sundays at 10 a.m. If you're curious and want to find out more, please visit our website. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week and I'll be back next Sunday with a brand new season of The Bookend. Taking us out is Gemini Feed by Banks.